We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. You heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. We have a ton to get to today. We're going to talk about the 49ers' temporary move, and we're going to take a look back at a big 49ers win over the Rams that keeps them in the thick of the playoff hunt, especially with what else went on in Week 12. But Chris, first, the Niners are going to have to beat the heat maybe a little bit late in the year going down to Arizona where it's actually rather nice this time of year. If you have to spend some time in Arizona, this is the time of year to do it. But this is, this is I think, kind of the, the biggest story. COVID-19 has forced the 49ers to uh, uproot themselves going into week 13 and now they'll be playing at least two home games in State Farm Stadium in Glendale. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy how much, how big of a turn this season has taken in the last few days. 
Um, Saturday for me is usually a day where I don't write. Um, it's kind of like the, the unspoken agreement between my editors and I is I take Saturday off because Sunday is obviously a, a usually busy day with, you know, three or four stories to be written, um, coming off of a game, but the 49ers find out that they have to, that, that they're not allowed to practice or play games in Santa Clara and Santa Clara is not going to budge on that. And they find out while they're boarding the plane, um, to go to LA. So it throws the entire organization through a loop. Um, and then you have players, everybody asking John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan exactly what's going to happen. Nobody has any answers. Um, Kyle Shanahan after the game didn't really have any answers either, other than to say he was pretty disappointed in how it turned out. And then on Monday, the team spent the day figuring out exactly what the logistics were going to be, where they were going to be going forward, and now they have to be in Arizona for at least the next three weeks. It's probably going to be the rest of the season um, because based on trends and restrictions, um, you know, dealing with COVID throughout the country, these restrictions typically last for a relatively long time. I don't know that that anybody's expecting this three-week restriction to just be done in three weeks. I think the numbers are probably going to continue to climb at a pretty alarming rate just because it's the holidays and Thanksgiving and everything like that. So I would imagine the 49ers are going to have to stay in Arizona for the rest of the season. And then for them to go and beat the Rams, I think, changes the whole tenor of the week. Because if they had lost to the Rams, and mentioned it you know, on here, I think, in um, in a few things I wrote that like the play, the odds of 49ers were going to make the playoffs if they lost to the Rams would have been about 4%. But because they beat the Rams and improved to five and six while getting losses from Arizona and Tampa Bay, the three teams and um, the, the three wildcard teams at the moment, the 49ers are only a game back in the loss column right now. So it's wild. They're they're very much in this thing. It's still improbable, but instead of their chances being 4% to make the playoffs had they lost that game, <clears throat> excuse me, that game, uh, now they're 24% or 25% according to 538. Um and if they win on Monday against the Bills, it jumps up to about 50%. So there's a realistic scenario here if the 49ers can stay healthy, which is obviously the biggest if that you could you can mention about this team because of how this season has gone. But if they stay healthy and then, you know, you go, you, you win a couple of these games. I mean, if you beat Buffalo, you're going to be favorites to beat Washington. You win those next two, and then you're talking about potentially getting Jimmy Garoppolo um, and George Kittle back possibly for that Cardinals game and then maybe week 17 against the Seahawks, like the 49ers could go 4-1 and one down this stretch and be 9-7, and seven, and that might be good enough to, to sneak into the playoffs. And if they go undefeated, they run the table, then you're talking about a 10-win team somehow um, that would – I feel like would have to make the playoffs. So that would be um, that would be more impressive than thirteen and three last year, right? Yeah, in terms of difficulty, if they no go doubt. ten and six, yeah, I agree, no doubt. And and I'm not saying it's probably going to happen, right. but I would not bet on it. Obviously, it the the point being here is that it would have been impossible for all this to even be on the table had the 49ers lost to the Rams. So the so beating the Rams on Sunday is really a huge deal. And I can't imagine what it would be like in Arizona, what the team morale would be like if they lost the game. No. If 
if they lost, basically eliminating themselves from postseason contention, and then had to go to Arizona for the next three weeks and deal with all of that, that would have been a really depressed team. I don't think they're, that team would have had a whole lot of fight left in it. Um, you know, going forward, and that's not to knock the guys. I just think it's human nature. It's, given all the team has already dealt with to be served that blow, to go to Arizona and play out the string after you're basically eliminated from the playoffs, that would have been really tough. But now, I mean, the 49ers have a puncher's chance. It's a real improbable chance, but they do have one, and I think they feel that, and I think that makes them a more dangerous team. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, thankfully for them, they did win that game because it, it would just be a, a miserable existence to be quarantining in a hotel in Glendale, Arizona. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Glendale, but um, it's don't. probably not the best place to, to reside. Maybe a good place to visit, but like to stay there for an extended period, not so sure. Um, and But now that they're doing it with a purpose, you know, with the playoffs... That with there being an actual roadmap to the playoffs, uh, I think it'll be a very interesting few weeks for the 49ers. And I think, you know, Monday's game is winnable. You know, like, I, yeah. I think it's a very winnable game. I, I didn't think it was winnable a few weeks ago, but seeing what we've seen from this team and, and getting the, the guys back healthy that they've gotten, like Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, and Richard Sherman in particular, and they're going to have Brandon Ayuk available on Sunday, it sounds like. Um the Niners are going to be a tough out going forward, and I don't know if it's going to make if they're going to get to the playoffs. But damn, man, if if this team finishes eight and eight or better um, after all they've been through this season, I think that would be a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, and I think just kind of going back to the thing about about being in the playoff race while going to Arizona—that's something Kyle Shanahan talked about today. Was in his in his video conference or his press conference with you guys, he said, I mean, as the year goes with these last five games, but I think we have a real good buy-in from our guys. I think just the way that they play, regardless of the situation, I think you guys can see that, but I do think it's human nature. The season's tough and it's a grind in all aspects every year, and especially with this year as much as anything I've ever seen, so you've got to go through it. It's always tough, but when there's more rewards and you're seeing there, you're seeing there you are in the fight, human nature is a lot more excited to Uh, And then he goes on to say, basically, play for a chance to to be in the postseason. And I think with the way they beat the Rams and how they looked in that game, I think that's why there's this newfound, I don't want to say interest, but this newfound optimism that, hey, maybe this team does make a run. Because this is a Rams team that coming into the game, some people thought might be the best team in the NFC. We talked nobody, about them potentially being the best team in the NFC on the last pod. Yeah, they nobody's really separated themselves yet, and the Rams had beat the Seahawks pretty soundly. They went in and they handled uh, Tampa Bay and, and, and looked pretty good doing it. And then they come in against the Niners. The Niners get a little healthier, and all the guys that came back who were healthy made a difference. Yeah. And I think it just kind of really underscored how much injuries have impacted this team this year. And yeah. and I, I I just I think the way they won on Sunday is a blueprint that they can follow to beat a team like Buffalo. Now maybe Buffalo comes in and, and wins by twenty, and, and the conversation next week is different. But 
I think going into this week, there is a roadmap to beat Buffalo. And then you get Washington, and then you get the Cowboys, both teams that are kind of struggling. And, I mean, now you're finishing up with Arizona, you're finishing up with Seattle. And you might start getting Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle back, and and we'll have those conversations if we get there. But I just think the way they won on Sunday was kind of my biggest takeaway in that they didn't do anything that I don't think was not replicable against any of their other opponents. Yeah, totally agree. And and we've mentioned it earlier too. Like it's been so hard to come away with any real takeaways this season because so many people have been hurt. And it's like, why, why would we do deep dives on, um, on non consequential things? Like, you know, backups who aren't going to be with the team. Like, are are we going to take the deep dive and, and evaluate everybody? Like, sure, we could do that, but that's not really what this football team is. It's what that version has been this season because they've missed so many guys. But, right. like, Raheem Mostert misses a bunch of time. He uses his speed, gets around the edge, scores a touchdown. Um, Richard Sherman has an interception, leads the team in tackles. The secondary played really, really well. Um, Jared Goff was bad, but some of that could have been uh, a product of how well the secondary was playing. And then Debo Samuel, like, had one of the performances of the season for the 49ers. Like, it was, the fact, it seemed like every scoring drive they had included a big Debo Samuel play. Um, and his, I mean, that one bubble screen he took in the second quarter, I counted at, on rewatching the game today. He made six, te- made six guys miss. That's ridiculous. He had he had that like six yard gain that he turned into a twenty four yard gain or whatever it was um, in the third quarter. It looked like it would just be a short pass, and he just blew through guys. And it was just you could see it in the body language of the Rams. Like that's got to be demoralizing. Yeah. And I've never seen a receiver. You know, they're better receivers and more impactful guys. But I haven't seen a receiver impact a game like that in terms of like. You know, Derrick Henry can demoralize his defense because he's so difficult to bring down. Right. There aren't many receivers that are like that. Yeah. You know, just like Debo Samuel with a head of steam is, you know, there there was a play. Um, it, I think it was on the last drive. Samuel had a catch and ran over a linebacker. Yeah. And got an extra three or four yards out of it. So it's 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 really unique. He His toughness and physicality. Reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden, but the big difference is he's just so much faster. Yeah, he's, be- he's a better runner than Bolden. Than Anquan Bolden. He might not be the route runner and the downfield threat, and obviously not the veteran um, Bolden sure, was right. when he when he got to the 49ers. But playing like, style, though. Yeah, just in terms of playing style, how he is with the ball in his hands, it's like it, it like it's Debo and A.J. Brown, and, and I don't well, know that there's <laughs> a, a better receiver with the ball in his hands right now. It's funny you mentioned A.J. Brown because he had that ridiculous touchdown a couple weeks ago uh, against Baltimore where he broke a bunch of tackles. And I was watching that and I went, wow, A.J. Brown is maybe the most unique receiver in the league. And I almost tweeted that take, but something kept me from doing it. And I think in the back of my mind, I knew that there was a receiver just like him on the 49ers roster. He just hadn't played a lot this year. And Debo Samuel is every bit that type of player. Yeah. And I think he just, he adds such a different element to the Niners offense because he is a threat as a receiver on slants. He is a, re- a threat in the intermediate passing game. You have to you have to keep your eyes on him when he goes in motion pre-snap. 
it just it opens a lot of doors to the 49ers offense and then there's and then there's just the the throw it to Debo in the flat and get, just throw some blocks and he's going to make a couple guys miss and get 12 yards yeah like that that play is on the table too and i don't think as talented as Brandon Ayuk is and as good as i think Brandon Ayuk is i don't think he's at that level where you can just give it to him behind the line and, and let him go to work breaking tackles and, and the thing too that's something Debo kind of uniquely brings the, the thing, too, like, we talk so much about how the 49ers offense is predicated on running the ball effectively. Niners averaged three and a half yards per carry. Like, Raheem Mostert averaged fewer than three yards per carry. His longest run was 10 yards. He only had 43 yards. Jeff Wilson only had 43 yards. Like, it wasn't a good game on the ground for the 49ers, and they yeah. still won, which is something that's been super rare for them. Yeah. Um, particularly with Nick Mullins, a quarterback. Typically, the, the formula for them to win is to run the ball well and set everything else up off of that. And a few of Samuel's touches, you know, his, his 11 quote-unquote receptions, I think two or three of them were technically running plays. But because they were technically forward passes, those are, uh, you know, those go to to his receiving total. But, like, Sam, you to your point, he adds a dynamic that, that they clearly miss badly when he's not in the lineup and that he can make plays down the field um, and be a problem for secondaries in a way that no other player, maybe with the exception of Ayuk, although I don't, I don't know that he's there yet necessarily. Um, it, it's just a very unique skill set to the offense. And it just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like the smartest take in the world, but like good players help, help you win football games. And I think Devo Samuel <laughs> peak peak Debo Samuel is probably the 49ers best offensive player right now. Right? Yeah, and, and maybe that I mean, changes week to week. Maybe Raheem Mostert's going to be that guy if he rips off a couple big runs on Monday. But for right like Debo Samuel might have just saved the 49ers season with the way he played because they didn't have he was the only guy on offense really making big plays. And the 49ers needed all of them and it seemed like on every one of their scoring drives Samuel made a big play at one point during it, um, and whether it led to field goals or, he, you know, he had the two big plays before Raheem Mostert's touchdown. Uh, he had a, a couple plays on the, the last series before Robbie Gold hit the game-winning field goal. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was it was a, an incredible game from Devo, maybe a signature game for him personally, his best his best game of the season. Certainly, maybe his best game as, as a 49er, but um, just what he does to to fire up the team, right? Just like a dude just running through guys, linebackers, safeties, whatever, yeah. it didn't matter. Debo was just running through guys, and it was a crazy individual effort. Um, and I thought it was it was just massive for the win. And if Debo Samuel is going to be that guy for the 49ers over the remaining five games, and they get Brandon Ayuk back, and you might get Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle back, like. The 49ers are going to be a very interesting team, a far more interesting team now that they won on Sunday than if they would have lost and basically been eliminated. Yeah, and and we're going to see for for really only the second time this year on Sunday, Raheem Mostert, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel on the field together. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. Which game was it? They were all was it the Rams? Game? The Rams. Yeah. The first Rams a, game. Yeah, and they had a really good offensive showing. Yeah. So I just, I I am really interested to see what kind of they they look like, especially now that Ayuk has really broken out and, and worked into a role where 
he can, I think, be a really good complement for, for Debo Samuel, kind of filling that, I don't think he's, you know, as good yet as Emmanuel Sanders is, but filling that type of role where where he and Samuel are, are doing different things in the offense, different productive things. Yeah, I, I think the ceiling can be higher than than what the 49ers had at receiver last year with Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, Sanders I think Sanders was good, but what Sanders wasn't, what Sanders couldn't do is take these bubble screens and these, you know, jet right. sweeps. <clears throat> There's definitely a different jet element sweeps. near the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, like the Ayuk the is, is somebody you can just give the ball to and let him run. You couldn't necessarily do that with Sanders as much. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see how the receiving core shapes up over these last few games because, I, I mean, to your point, like – They've only been on the field with Mostert w- once all season, and that was a win over the Rams. Like it's yeah, I think so. the 49ers could be could be a real a real headache for these teams going forward, particularly now that they're motivated and playing with a lot of swagger. And you saw that. I noticed like watching the game on TV, and there there's no crowds in uh, at these stadiums, so maybe it's amplified a little bit. But it was like every single quick. time the 49ers forced a punt. Like the the sideline went nuts. It was like a pick six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and I think there's something to that, and a lot of that has to do with Robert Sala, and we can talk about the job he's doing. Um, but yeah, the 49ers are, are have not given up. They're playing really hard, um, and uh, and it showed. It's my great analysis, right? I want to. Yeah. It, you you said something in there, but I think it's I think it's important because I think <laughs> I think it really got overlooked. A lot with the 49ers in in both local and regional analysis is I think the injuries just kind of got overlooked a little bit somehow. Like, I know it's been a storyline, but any analysis of how good or bad the 49ers are in, in the short and long term has to include the caveat that they are as beat up as they are. Right. And it turns out that having healthy players is better than having unhealthy good players. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's and I know that sounds like that sounds ridiculous. That sounds like I'm being sarcastic. But there was I think that this this expectation and I and I hear this and I, I'm I'm gonna skip the bit today. I work in sports talk radio in the Bay Area and I hear it every day there of like what's wrong with the 49ers? Why aren't the 49ers is this on Kyle Shanahan? Is this on the quarterback? No! Like, they just don't... <laughs> right. Their good players were not playing. And when their good players are playing, they are a better team. Wild stuff. Uh, I want to fact-check myself real quick. Samuel Mostert and Ayuk did also play in uh, the 43-17 drubbing against the Dolphins. Okay, that makes sense. But But they didn't play cornerback in that game. That's that's a, yeah, that's a great point. So no, I, I just this is as healthy as the Niners are going to be going into a game, and and we'll talk about this more. I just I really think that when you look at we're, we've talked a lot about the offense, the defense was excellent uh, against LA for for a second time this year, and against an LA offense it was really rolling. Um, I just leaving Sunday's game, there was this different sense for me anyway like it just looked like a totally different team based solely on 
having Samuel and Mostert and Sherman and even Jeff Wilson. Dude, Jeff Wilson ran hard on Sunday. Yeah, and and they also they they took a a massive haymaker from the Rams. Yes. Right? Like, I thought it was over. Yeah, when when you know Aaron Donald forces a fumble on Mostert, it's taken back by Troy Hill for the touchdown. Um, you think, okay, like this this could go bad real quick. That was right after the Rams got a field goal, so that was ten points in you know a very short period of time. And then they have that sixty-one yard run from Cam Akers leading to his touchdown. They'd scored seventeen points in three minutes, um, or just over three minutes unanswered. And you know, in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, those type of things happen to the 49ers and you're like all right well they played tough they through most of the game um they played well you can you can see the positive signs but maybe they just don't have the horses to beat these good teams well they actually got a field goal drive and got some good throws from nick mullins got a huge defensive stop and and jared goff was bad and we can talk about um how bad he was maybe you know uh he missed some throws that certainly helped the 49ers um and then you go down, you have three timeouts left, and you execute a game-winning drive more or less to perfection with the, you know with all you, with a field goal being all you need in that scenario. Um, I thought it was you know fourth and one. The the play call by Kyle Shanahan to Kyle Uzcheck was much better than some of the other things he's done on fourth and one, i.e. run Jarek McKinnon right up the middle from shotgun uh, a few different times. I think it happened in New Orleans and. Um, I think the Dolphins game had happened too. Uh, so obviously getting that and then getting a couple more plays, using your having all your timeouts, uh, managing the clock, it was just a really well done uh, final drive by the coaching staff and the offense. And you don't always get that from backup quarterback. So I think Nick Mullins deserves credit um, from that standpoint. He wasn't good for a lot of the game. He missed a lot of throws. The 49ers were able to get those three first-half turnovers, but they didn't score any points off of them. Um, and you had a Jeff Wilson fumble in there, and you had an interception that might not necessarily have been Mullins' fault. Um, but the 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 bigger point here is, like, Aaron Donald was taking over the game. Like, he forced mm-hmm. the fumble, then he got a, a sack on the very first play of the next drive, led to a three-and-out. And uh, and the 49ers withstood it all, and and I think that's really impressive, because a lot of versions of the same team, i.e. 2017 and 2018, would have lost that game, and then would have come out of it really disappointed, and then gone to Arizona and had the worst you know five weeks or whatever <laughs> that they're going to have as professional football players. But because they won that game, um, you know the Arizona thing is is a little bit more palatable. Yeah, and I think I just I don't think that it can be stressed enough the fortitude it took after Hill scores the touchdown and then the Rams go down and and uh, and take the lead to come back and tie it and then and then have a good defensive stop which we'll talk about Sean McVay's decision making there and then to go down and and put together another touchdown drive like just top to bottom it was it was. <laughs> It was a game that I kept waiting for the wheels to fall off. Mm-hmm. And when Aaron Donald kind of took over and he gets the, the strip on Raheem Mostert and the Rams score, it's like, oh, there it is. Like that, that that was the tipping point where the Rams just being the kind of healthier, more talented team 
was going to uh, was going to turn the tide and they were going to take over and win the game, and then they didn't. Yeah. And I just I, I think the more we discuss this, the more it, it doesn't it feels what like going into <laughs> going into week twelve. Talking about the Niners' playoff hopes was like, oh yeah, there's a mathematical possibility. So we'll talk about it, but you know, I, I had written them off. Yeah, I I had too. Like I was <laughs> at Niners Wire, I was starting to write about draft stuff. I was <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, let's follow the draft order. Now they're draft. Now they're sixteenth in the draft. Like they, I would have them making the playoffs before I had them picking in the top ten. Yeah, like, right now. Yeah. yeah, like way before. Yeah, and. I think it's not just that they've won. This isn't one of those things where it's like, well, they got a W and a bunch of the a bunch of teams ahead of them lost. So now they're no, it's the way they won, and part of it is, and I think you make a great point that taking that gut punch from a from a team like the Rams that was playing as well as they were playing, who has dominated second halves the way they've dominated second halves this year, and the and the 49ers looked like the better team flat out. They look like the better team that stumbled for a minute and then got back on track, and I think that's, I think that's valuable, and I think that's worth something. Um, let's hit a quick break, and then we will get into our good game, bad game, and our MVPs. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be in their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online, as always, is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. Do not miss out on this. There's game spreads, there's totals, there's team, player, coaching props. The player props are the best thing. You can go in and customize. Maybe it's Debo Samuel. The over-under is 65 and a half yards, and you say, man, I think Debo's going over 90 today. You can pick that up, and they'll change the odds for you so you can customize how you bet. It's an incredible experience at Bet Online, and Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day. 
Here's what you do. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Who is good and who is bad? Let's, uh, guy we've talked about. We'll start with the good ones, Chris. Yeah, Debo is good. Start, good news first? Yeah, good news first. Debo is good. That's it. I already, That's the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I already laid, laid out the case. It Probably was, the it, best game of his career. Um, or at least it it it, <laughs> it might be the best single game performance um, from the 49ers this season just because of what was on the line. Sure, I can see and, that. And, you know, maybe Jeff Wilson's game against the Patriots comes to mind. George Kittle catching all 15 targets in that game. I think the Niners lost that one, though. Yes. Um, but, yeah, Debo's great. And if that's what they're going to get from him on top of what they potentially could get from Brandon Ayuk coming back, um, and then, you know, eventually George Kittle or, you know, whatever. I mean, that, that, was, that was star-level stuff from Samuel. And uh, and he could be big here in uh, in the final month. Yeah, and I think I think it's just with with Debo's with Debo's game. You know how sometimes a player will have what you perceive to be a bad game, and then you'll look at the analytics, and the analytics will say that they actually played pretty well. And there's that's where kind of the disconnect is between the watch the game crowd and the analytics crowd. There's this kind of weird, I mean, ultimately they're a little bit the same, but there's a weird disconnect there. That game by Debo was one of those games where the eye test and the analytics just lined up. He had like 135 yards after the catch. He had like 83 yards after contact. He had six broken tackles. He was he was unbelievable. That bubble and screen all the was pro just... football effect, pro football focus stats kind of backed it up. Yeah, the, the bubble screen where he made nine yards out of nothing. Was Just like, insane. It was one of the most remarkable nine-yard games I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's not... I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum today, but... Yeah. It, it just It's not just that he's making guys miss. It's not like, you know... Um, pick a... Pick a, like... Uh, Dante Hall, when he's returning punts. Like, you know how he'd kind of juke and make guys miss... It's not that, and it's not just flat out Derrick Henry running over people. It's a combination of both, and it's it's really unique and it's really fun. Yeah, um, the offensive line wasn't great. Run blocking mm-hmm. wasn't great. I think the Rams deserve some credit for the way they defended the run, particularly in the second half. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Donald is sort of impossible to block, no matter who you're throwing at him. But um, the offensive line does need to play better. I think. Raheem Mostert had 42 yards in the first half on eight carries. He had eight carries in the second half for one yard. Yeah. That's not great. Nick Mullins got pressured 12 times. That's also not great. Uh, they they 100% have to be better. And I think, just quick look ahead, I think that's something that they're going to have to address quickly and and with with significant resources in the offseason. Yeah, potentially. We can have that conversation when we get yeah. there. Um, but I mean there were just some there were there were a few plays where it's like three offensive linemen or, you know, two in a tight end or like on the ground and then three Rams are tackling one of the running backs for a two yard loss. Right. 
Right. Like, I'm not an X's and O's genius, but, like, seeing that wasn't super encouraging. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the Rams' defense is good, so I, I don't want to read too much into it. But um, or, or, like, try to take credit away from them, just saying, like, oh, the 49ers were just bad. Is it Kyle Shanahan's offense, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> um, Who? But, yeah, I, I think if, if there's a, a, a glaring weak point or something to criticize coming out of the sure. game offensively, I think it's the offensive line. What about on defense? It was good. Jimmy Ward. All right. Our guy. For the brand. <laughs> For the brand. Yeah, Jimmy Ward, two forced fumbles. Um, Felt like he... Didn't miss an assignment all game. Uh, just really good in coverage. He was talking shit to the Rams' sideline at one point um, on the broadcast. They said Robert Sala told them that he thought Jimmy Ward was a top five cover guy in the league huh. um, at any position, which I was which I was surprised to hear about. He had a pass breakup. Um, yeah, just just a really good game, and you know we. I think you and I are not surprised to see Ward have a game like this. I think what is surprising is the fact that he forced fumbles. He hasn't forced a fumble since 2018 before that game. Um, so if Jimmy Ward can add takeaways to being assignment sound, to being able to cover just about anybody in the passing game, and being a really good tackler, you're talking about like a Pro Bowl level player. If if that's what if that's the next step he takes and it you know that he's not going to force turnovers every week, but you know I think Jimmy Ward's really good and uh, now that he's been healthy for a prolonged stretch I, I think other people are starting to catch on, but that was probably I mean that that's probably the best game of his career too, and uh, yeah except maybe last year in L A he was really good yeah he was he was really good in that game too. But he had fourth down stops in that game, but he didn't have any forced fumbles. So we'll do a deep analytical <laughs> dive into the value of fourth down stops for his forced fumbles. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but no, really good game for Jimmy Ward. Jeff Dini at Pro Football Focus, you actually retweeted this. Over the last seven weeks, going back to week six, Jimmy Ward is the highest graded safety in the NFL. And if he is, as you said, adding takeaways to his game, it's really hard to poke holes in what he does at safety. He's yep. really good. He's a really good player. Jimmy Ward. Shout out. Jimmy Ward Island is uh, developing Boy, developing is beachfront condos at a very rapid rate. Did you, notice, did you notice, by the way, if, uh, real quick, uh, pause the thing. Uh, if you're not in on the bit, Chris and I were pro re-signing Jimmy Ward prior to last season, and, and then he was awesome last year. So we take credit for being alone on Jimmy Ward Island. Also on Jimmy Ward Island right now, Robert Woods. There, he just walked by. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bad game from Jared Goff for the second time against the 49ers this year. Just bad. He's, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it, on what's bad, but he's just, he's inaccurate. Uh, I, I don't know if indecisive is the right word, but he just looked lost. There are sometimes, and we mentioned it in the preview, where it's like Jared Goff looks like an elite quarterback, and sometimes where it's like, oof, like just missing wide open guys. There, there was a play on the Rams' last field goal drive 
where the the pass catcher got past Emmanuel Mosley down the left side, what was open by three or four yards. Goff airmailed him. The Javon Kinlaw pick six, we haven't even mentioned that really. Um was just awful. <laughs> we not mentioned that. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean it was an awful awful quarterback play. Great play for the 49ers and Kinlaw obviously and And, and Kevin a, Givens. Yeah. Kevin Givens had a really good game, by the way. We're Seems throwing like him he was into in the, the backfield very often. He was. Um, including that Kinlaw uh, touchdown. But um and Kerry Hyder, two sacks. Also a, a good game. We haven't Seven listed him. But shout out to uh to Kevin Givens and Kerry Hyder who aren't gonna be mentioned here. Uh, in good game, bad game, but are right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Working them into the bay. Yeah, that. Jared Goff, the the Rams' final drive just before punting. Uh, really bad throw to Robert Woods on the on the right sideline that probably should have been a first down. Richard Sherman pushed him out of bounds, um, but a good throw there extends the drive, and maybe they do end up getting a field goal there um, instead of punting it back to the 49ers. Um the interception of Sherman was bad. Just, it was, you know, it it was just a bad Jared Goff game. And, and you know, us covering the Niners, it feels like you you almost expect Jared Goff to play poorly against the 49ers right now. The interception by Richard Sherman and Brian Baldinger did a really good breakdown of how Sherman was in man coverage, read Goff's throw and broke away from his man to go to where the throw was. Yeah. But it wasn't like he turned and flew toward the receiver. He saw off the hand that the trajectory of the throw was so bad that he needed to stay five or six yards behind the receiver to to pull it in. Yeah. Which is wild stuff. Really bad. Also, good game for Richard Sherman in his first game back. He looked like... He hadn't missed a game. Also, three or four times Richard Sherman was thrown in there on a blitz. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that before. That's fun. Yeah, I think he has one sack with the Forty ers against the Cardinals in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I think Sherman's good. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot of analysis to provide about Sherman, but I have I, I have a quick uh, go ahead. Well, I, I, I do want to credit. Down. Robert Sala, I mean, Robert Sala is going to be gassed up a, a ton over these next few weeks. But moving Marcel Harris to linebacker and playing with Tarverius Moore and Jimmy Ward. So good. I think is working out. I think the 49ers are really fast. I think they can cover just about anybody. I don't think they lose a lot in run defense, um, which might have been a concern. And they're throwing a wrinkle now that hasn't been on film for very long. There's only two games worth of tape as opposed to however many games teams had to, to evaluate the Jaquaski tart and Jimmy Ward setup. But I, I do think it's an, it's important to point out that the the switch to Harris at linebacker and putting Tavares more in the starting lineup is a very good one. And I think that could be something that the 49ers stick with next year and beyond. Um, and I, I think it gives them a, a speed upgrade. Um, and it was already a fast defense, but now it's a it's an even faster defense, and that that helps just about everybody. So who? Let's let's say Sherman hadn't played on Sunday. This has nothing to do with good or bad. This is just me doing roster stuff. Yeah. You have Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett starting at corner, and Jamar Taylor in the slot. 
Jamar Taylor gets hurt. Ken Webster hurts his hamstring covering a kick. Akella Witherspoon's a healthy scratch. What, what do they do at that point? Did Dante, Dante Johnson? Johnson. You'd have Dante Johnson playing cornerback. In the slot. Out, on the outside, and then you'd probably have Mosley moving inside. Ugh. Once Taylor got hurt. Boy. Um, and, you know, Emmanuel Mosley played really well, too. He did. And I think, I, I think, and, and we will have this conversation many times before it comes to this, but I think Emmanuel Mosley's probably the favorite to be the nickel corner in 2021. Just because I think there's going to be a team that offers Kwan Williams a contract that the 49ers can't match. Um, and I think the 49ers might prefer to to pay Mosley what he's going to get rather than go to the top of the nickel market, which will be, you know, eight, nine, ten million a year or whatever. Um, I think Mosley can be that guy. He might not be as dynamic of a blitzer and make plays in, in that way that, that Williams does, but I think... I don't think there would be a big drop off to Mosley if you made him the permanent nickel guy, and and we'll probably so. get a preview of that over these next few weeks, if and when K1 comes back in two or three, whatever. Um, we we still don't have an idea yet of when K1's going to come back, but if he does come back at all, but um, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on too. Yeah, Mano mostly did a nice job in the slot. Bad game, Sean McVay. Yeah, this was not... your take. I want, I want to hear it. So, namely the end of of the game, the final sequence for the Rams. Stand by, I closed my window, but it it was the Rams. So, the Niners kick a field goal to make it twenty to twenty with uh, three eleven left. So the Rams get the ball, tie game, 3-11. They're at their own 25. They didn't run the ball once. And I know they hadn't had a ton of success running it, but... Just to to kill some clock. Yeah, like, like it's... Didn't make the Niners use use any timeouts, didn't, didn't burn any clock... Um, they had just, they had scored a touchdown earlier, uh, giving it to Cam Akers and he had a lot of success. Um, it went Goff to Cup for eight, Goff to Higby for six, Goff to Woods for five. So on second and five, he goes to Woods. That's the one you were talking about that he, that he missed on a, on a high and outside throw to the sideline. And then he missed Cooper Cup, it, like a deep shot on third and five. That like was really was, well covered by Mosley. It, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was great coverage. I'm not trying to take away from what the Niners are doing, but it like dial up some easy throws. Give Give Robert Woods that jet motion. They did. I mean, do something other than throw down the field with your quarterback who struggled all day. Yeah. It was a perplexing sequence in the moment. It's even more perplexing going back and looking at it. In in hindsight, and then the Niners did everything right when they got the ball back with two ten left. They killed the rest of the clock, and and won it. I just thought that that McVeigh 
and I know they a little bit had one hand tied behind their back because they were coming off a Monday night game. The Niners were coming off a bye. Um, I, I, I get all that, but I really think that that last sequence specifically could have gone a, a lot differently and had it, the Rams might come away with a win. Yeah, and, and he kicked a field goal, a 48-yard field goal in the first quarter, I think, instead of going for it on fourth and two. Um, they settled for another field goal. I don't remember if there was a I, – I remember there being multiple multiple situations in that game where you felt like McVay could have been more aggressive on fourth down. The, the one in the first quarter with the field goal really sticks out, but – yeah, I, I'm with you. I didn't think it was a great Sean McVay game. I think to beat, you know, I think you're playing into the 49ers' hands if you're not being aggressive against them on fourth down. Fourth and two at the Niners' 30 in the first yeah. quarter. Yeah, like the Chiefs would have gone for that, right? Like yeah, the, Chief, the, and the Rams, Chiefs. The Rams would have gone for that. Yeah. That's why it was such a weird game for Sean McVay. Right. I think he's so hyped that he has a, as he said, a quote, fucking jacked kicker <laughs> that he's just excited to use his guy that can make field goals now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like you, you think about the Super Bowl, and and one of the things that that the Chiefs did really well was put the 49ers in uncomfortable spots by going for it and being aggressive on fourth down. And I get it's the Super Bowl and it's completely different, but like you know, if if you're if you don't have a ton of confidence that you're going to be able to put consistent drives together on a defense, and you have an opportunity in their territory to be aggressive and maybe take some of their swagger away from them by getting first downs, then I think you need to do that. And I think he played right into the 49ers' hands by settling for that field goal. And they didn't get in the red zone. I think it took them 13 possessions to get into the red zone. So, you know, I think some of that – Goff wasn't good, but I think some of that was because McVay um, wasn't really pressing him to to be in aggressive aggressive spots and – you know, threaten the 49ers defense that way. Did you think Kyle Shanahan was good? I thought Kyle Shanahan was really good. I'm hearing you know, other other people on national podcasts mentioning the fact that if the 49ers make the playoffs or even finish above 500, then you really have to think about Kyle Shanahan as a coach of the year. Um, given that the 49ers are the most injured team in the league, and I think if any other coach the 49ers have had over the last two decades, um, Jim Harbaugh included, had dealt with this many injuries, I don't think there's any way we're even talking about playoff roadmaps in December. Right? Like, is, is there is there a really good coach that I'm missing where you're like, oh, that coach could have came overcame the injuries? Like, I don't think so. What did... Are we... Are we including Andy Reid? I was a Niners coach. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, uh, did I not say Niners coach? I meant Niners coach. Uh, if, if that, that would have made things, yeah, that would have been quite the take. That's what I was. No coach. I was rolling back through what you were saying. I was like, he had to have meant. Did he say Andy Reid and I just missed it? Uh, okay, no Niners. Yes, no, yes, correct. Like I agree if, with you. If this team's coached by Jim Tom Sewell, the Niners are probably 0 16. Yeah. Given and, the and, injuries. And I, right? <laughs> and Chip Kelly, like same with Chip Kelly. I think like we, the Niners think, aren't a aren't a favorite to get to the playoffs, but we're having a conversation about them winning Monday and then being then the playoffs being a fifty fifty proposition. 
I think we we see like somebody will probably want will will be saying Jim Harbaugh at this, but I even think we saw a little bit what Harbaugh would do with a team like this, and they went eight and eight in twenty fourteen. It just yeah. I I I think there's a there's a level to what Shanahan's able to to do offensively and with the weapons that he has, and then what Sala does defensively. Uh, just kind of some of the athletes the Niners have. I just they are they are built to compete in the modern NFL, and a healthy version of this team is probably the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. And they have a really deep roster that has been really really well constructed. And like I said, I wouldn't bet on them making the playoffs, but the fact that the conversation is happening is is due in large part to their head coach's ability to kind of get the most out of out of his players. Yeah. And like we don't need to relitigate the the Jim Harbaugh thing. I, I think I'm I'm less impressed as time goes on with what Jim Harbaugh did with the 49ers because I think so oh, much of what they did was on this. it was because of the defense. And it was like, largely intact too. Yeah, if take take away Justin Smith and Patrick Willis, maybe leave Navarro Bowman in it, but and then take away everybody else, like the equivalent of what the 49ers have lost this year on defense. I don't think the 49ers are very good. Yep. I don't think Jim Harbaugh's offense was doing a whole lot to to make up for what the 49ers would have lost on defense. And maybe they do, but here's a fun thing. It's a hypothetical and it's our podcast and we're saying you wouldn't. Yeah. So I agree with and, you. And it's not that. like Jim Harbaugh's Michigan tenure has gone awesome. <laughs> really, really good point. <laughs> um, do we have one more? I don't think so. I thought you oh, were yeah. going to make another Jim Harbaugh point. No, I don't have any more Jim Harbaugh points. Kyle Shanahan, yeah, good coach. Um yeah, it's it's funny to me. Like people, people. <laughs> Can that be the title of the episode? Kyle Shanahan, good coach. <laughs> I see people retweeting like fans with these takes. Like Kyle Shanahan's offense is really holding us back. That's I, ridiculous. Like, That's totally ridiculous. Uh, another thing, real quick. I I <laughs> want to just along these lines because look, here, when the Forty ers ran Jarek McKinnon. Uh, from the shotgun on fourth and short against the Saints, the radio show that I produced spent an hour dissecting the play call and wondering if Kyle Shanahan just did, didn't have it to make calls in those situations. And on the final drive on Sunday, fourth and one, uh, they can settle for a 56-ish yard field goal with 28 with 35 seconds left, or they can go for it. And they line up in the eye, and he gives it to the fullback, and Kyle Juszczyk gets two yards and a first down and and helps put them in a position to win the game. And it's stuff like that where um, I think if you're, if, he, if you're going to drag a guy for making the wrong call in a situation, you, you have to do the opposite when he makes the correct call. And, and <laughs> it's just... Yeah, or or he's, recognize he's the so, fact that the 49ers gave up 17 points on drives that started at their own 20-yard line. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's not just, like Kyle Shanahan isn't telling, hey, Trent, don't catch the punt. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know? Like, you know, players and make I, mistakes that happen, and 
it's not always the coach's fault when players screw up. Like sometimes the players just deserve blame. And I want to. It's okay. I it's okay this. to acknowledge that players aren't awesome all the time in all facets. Yes. And I want to. I want to spread this to the entire coaching staff. Um, it's not like the fact that the expectation is so high that this team should still be competing speaks volumes about the coaching staff they have and the job they yeah. did last year and the job they did, frankly, this year. Yep. So. Uh, I don't think the coaching staff, whether it's Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, or anyone else, is the problem with the 49ers this year. And if anything, it's going to be the reason, a large part of the reason that they get back to the postseason. If they get there. Yeah. And we're not saying they will. But the just door's the open wider that, today than it was this time last week. Yeah. Just the fact that we have, like, we have to talk about the playoffs. We just do. Because if they beat the Bills on Monday, it's a winnable game. I'm not... I don't know that I would pick them to beat the Bills, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat the Bills. And then if they do, the probability, according to, you know, the metrics or whatever, says it's probably a 50-50 proposition down the stretch, and you're looking at maybe getting Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle back in a couple weeks. And then things could get really interesting, and you could have another scenario where you host the Seahawks wherever you end up hosting them week 17. And if you win that game, then... You had you might clinch a playoff spot and have confidence in the fact that you just beat one of the top teams in the NFC to get into the playoffs, which is a wild conversation to have considering that, you know, before the bye week, the 49ers, to me, were just done. Yeah. I was like, all right, season's over. <laughs> like, I was ready. Season's over. This, is, this sucks. There's going to be nothing interesting to write about except injuries and COVID. And now the 49ers are back in it, and, and the season's suddenly interesting again. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, culture culture matters. They have, like, they play hard. Um, they're just and I think when, to play. Yeah, I agree. We'll preview the Bills game later on this week and see if there's a chance they win that one, which, looking at it right now, I think they might. You got anything else for us, Chris? Nothing. It's late. I gotta go to bed. I know it. Same. Uh, subscribe, rate, review if you haven't. Yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.